Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Edit audio. Hello, and welcome to Confessions, a podcast by Cosmo where your secrets are safe with us. My name is Mia Lardier, and today I am joined by my guest co-host, Cosmo's Fashion Features Director, Rachel Torgerson. Yay! Hi, Rachel! Hi! I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. I'm happy you're here. Um, So in this podcast, we respond to anonymous confessions with help from a guest expert and try to give advice. So based on that information, do you have something that you would like to confess this week? I, well, I don't know if anybody ever wants to confess things. I know, I know. Safe space. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I guess it's sort of freeing to confess things. Um, I guess my confession is that I usually can't get to bed before 2 a.m. because I'm up so late reading all these fairy novels. What? (laughs) I'm so ashamed of it. I love it. I got sucked in on TikTok. There was like this relentless stuff on my For You page about these like fantasy books. Uh And I started reading one just to be like, fine, I want to know what this is about. And now I'm like into this whole world and I can't (laughs) get out of it. But I'm like, I'm, I'm here for it now. So yeah. (laughs) So what is it about the fairy novels that really sucked you in? Um, Well... I wish I could say it's the plot, but I mean they're pretty smutty. So <laughs> amazing. <laughs> amazing. So book talk wins again. Yeah, I mean always. Our confession this week comes from a real life fairy, a money fairy, and she didn't even know she was a money fairy until her friend wouldn't stop asking her to give her money to cover her bills. How special! Our reader is over it and needs her friend to realize that her financial problems shouldn't be everyone else's, and she needs to get a handle on her crippling debt. Let's wake up our confessions robot to get our anonymous rant cooking. I know this is a really bad habit, but I judge my friends for their credit card debt. Like, why are you thousands of dollars in debt? What the F are you buying? I've seen your closet and it does not contain anything impressive, except those Mew Mew heels, but I'm 75% sure they're knockoffs, so be for effing real. You can spare me the don't judge your friends lesson. I'm trying to look out for them. Having good credit and financial skills is a must in this eft economy, so really, your bad credit is my responsibility to fix. And because I'm a great friend, I'm recruiting the help of you all, the big guns, how can I fix my friend's credit? I'm tired of them borrowing my coffee money to pay their electricity bill. Or, hell, should I even be sticking my nose in their business? 
Today's guest is Tiffany the Budgetista Aliche. She is America's favorite personal financial educator and the author of the New York Times bestseller, Get Good With Money. Through her Live Richer movement, she's helped over 2 million women save, manage, and pay off hundreds of millions of dollars. A former teacher for 10 years with a master's degree in education, Tiffany was instrumental in getting the Budgetista law passed in January 2019, making financial education mandatory for middle school students in New Jersey. The Budgetista is an NAACP nominee and the first black woman to grace the cover of Money Magazine Solo. She's also the co-host of the Webby Award-winning podcast, Brown Ambition, and has been featured on Good Morning America, The Today Show, PBS, and most importantly, she's been featured in Cosmopolitan. Hey, Tiffany, how are you? Hi, ladies. How are you? Good. Good to talk to you. So before we get to our reader's confession today, what is the average amount of debt that Gen Z and millennials are in these days? It's thousands of dollars. If you don't count student loan debt, especially for millennials, Many people, credit card debt is thousands of dollars, if not tens of thousands, if you're counting millennials. And it's scary because sometimes it just feels like insurmountable to pay that kind of debt off. But it is possible. It is. It is. Why are most 20 to 30 year olds in credit card debt? The truth is, I mean, it is easy to say and point the finger and to say, oh, it's just lifestyle inflation that people are mishandling Mm -hmm. their money. Um, But the truth is, for many people, they're using credit card debt just to make ends meet. Things cost more money. That is literally the definition of inflation, Mm -hmm. that your money loses value over time. The thing that used to cost this, like your grandparents are like, well, I bought my house, you know, for $25,000. And that same house is now worth... 200, 300,000. And so as a result, unfortunately, our income has not kept the pace of that inflation, meaning that people are not making as much relative to how things are costing more money over time. And so for some folks, the only way to fill in that gap is credit card debt, unfortunately. Right. It's like when you look at the dollar store and it's no longer a dollar store, it's a dollar 35 store at least, minimum. Um, So would you say that millennials and Gen Z are going to debt just to try to be middle class these days? I think that too, because honestly, social media can be a really helpful tool, but you can also look and compare your life and feel like I ought to be able to afford this, so I must be doing something wrong. Right. So in order to present myself the way the rest of my peers do, because we are social creatures, right? You know, then I'm going to use credit cards in order to be able to look like everybody else. Right. Even as grown women, do you feel that FOMO on social media where it's like, oh, well, my friend's on a vacation in Bali and I'm here and I haven't been on a vacation in years. Do y'all feel that? Oh, my God. Absolutely. No, for sure. I remember when I first got on social media years and years and years ago, there were friends who I like knew in real life. And I'm like, how is he on a vacation in Mexico? I was actually just teasing my friend about that the other day. I was talking to him. I was like, remember our friend, we'll just call him Bobby, would always be on vacation. Like (laughs) when social media first came out and he was like, the secret is he bought a companion pass for one of my best friends. And so so you see that you're trying to keep the pace with someone who's not even keeping the pace with what I thought they were doing. Right. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. 
Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Is it our business to be nosy about our friends' finances? And especially what if they're constantly asking to borrow money? Like, how do we approach this situation? Well, I listened to this confession, and I'm not going to lie, I laughed. Because, <laughs> because, I mean, let's be honest, it's a little Judge Judy, you know? A little bit. <laughs> a little bit. But, but yeah. to be honest, I have certainly been a little Judgy Judy from time sure. to time in my head. Sure. And, you know, over the years, I realized that it comes from a place of love and care for your friend. Because what it sounds like is this is a concerned friend, less than a judgmental friend. But the judgment is actually not going to be helpful in helping your friend. Right. You know, that instead, yeah. they're going to be ashamed and not share with you the bigger scope of what might be happening. You might see a friend that is uh, using their credit card debt in a way that's irresponsible. But what you might not know is your friend is suffering from depression or anxiety. Mm, right. You know, you might not know that, you know, your friend grew up in a way that they never had nice things and they finally right. are an adult and they promised their five or six year old self, when I get to be big, I'm going to buy myself nice things. We don't know what brings people to where they are. All we can do is say they're here. And if I want to, here are some things I can do to help. Right. Yeah, because money is such a vulnerable thing to begin with to talk about because, as you said, it's connected to so many emotional things. And then spending is also connected to class and how you're perceived, which is a totally other big vulnerable thing to talk about. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I think, you know, if you are the friend, you're probably trying to hide the fact Mm -hmm. that you are in this kind of trouble. So even bringing something up like with sensitivity, I think... Mm -hmm. You know, as the friend, you're like, oh, no, they caught on to my little thing. I was trying right. to make it work. And, you know, I'm in the middle of trying to help. And, right. you know, as an outsider, you don't know. Right. And we don't want to add shame to folks because shame shields solutions. Right. Shame right. does not allow us to figure out a way to get out of the debt or to fix the credit. And the only way to start to shake shame, because shame loves secrecy. Mm-hmm. Shame is like, it's just me and you, kid. Don't tell anybody. Right, you know? yeah. <laughs> so the only way to shake that shame, especially financial shame, is to give voice to it, mm-hmm. is to have a safe space to say, hey, I'm really struggling. I lost my job. I don't make enough. I'm overspending. You know, And from that, people can have a safe space to start to strategically map out some financial solutions. So should you be lending your friends money? And mm-hmm. I say it depends. A friend of mine years ago gave me the best piece of advice when lending money that I still follow to this day. Mm. Uh, my friend told me he was like, because um, someone asked to borrow money and I was on the fence because this person needed money. I think it was either for their car note or rent or something like that, but something reoccurring. And my friend said, well, his rule is if I'm going to lend money, it has to solve the problem. Interesting. Not delay it, you know? So meaning, you know, like, let's just say that I lend you money for your car note, but you absolutely don't have it for next month. Right. Then it's actually not going to solve the problem because you're going to lose your car and my money. Right. Yeah. So it's all down the toilet. 
Exactly. Like my, I remember, so I'm one of five girls, and the baby, wow. who's not a baby, she's 34, but still, she <laughs> she asked to borrow money one day because she had a boot on her car, and no. I was like, "Baby Lisa, why do you have a boot on your car?" She was like, "It might be because some tickets that I didn't pay." Back. I was like, "Oh my gosh!" <laughs> but she's like, "Honestly, I have a doctor's appointment. I really need to get to it." And I was just like, "Okay." Now I cash apped her the money. Right. And she was able to pay it because it solved the problem of it wasn't a car note. It was right. if I can get the boot off my car, I can have my car and then I can pay you back versus next month, you know, I have to get rent from you again and next month and next month. And so yeah. that's what I think about when someone has to borrow money. One, I say, can I afford to not get this money back? You know, because that's important. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. two, I ask myself, will this actually solve the problem? And if not, then let's work on something that will. That's really good advice. And I wonder how, Tiffany, would you apply that to friends who come and they're like, oh, can you front me money for coffee today? And it's every single day. Mm-hmm. Or like maybe if you're going to the movies, like, oh, you're going to buy my ticket and they never pay you back. How do you apply that same kind of logic to the smaller expenses that continue yeah. to add up and it becomes a pattern? So you're going to want to we have to put on our bigger panties and right. <laughs> you're going to have to have a boundaries conversation. Yes. Yeah. And as someone who has had a hard time slipping those panties up, even though they're big. Oh, right? same. <laughs> right? But it's hard to have the boundaries conversation. Yeah. Because yep. I've had friends mm-hmm. like that. And so I had to start to have the conversation when it was safe. Right? right. So not in the moment, because I might, you know, again, girl, you never have your wallet. That's not going to be helpful. So instead, it's when we're key keying, they're over at the house, we're sitting on the couch. Right. And it's like, you know what, you know, you're having a good time. And you can say, can I share something with you? Asking for permission is really helpful. You could tell mm-hmm. I go to therapy. Right. Yep. <laughs> therapy talk begins. Yes. yes. Right. Asking permission, you know, can I share something with you? Because I feel like this is a safe space. And it's like, you know how sometimes you ask me every time we go out, you know, to to borrow money? Because some people don't even realize they do that. And they're like, no, I don't. It's like, yes, the last three times we went to Starbucks, you didn't have money and it was like seven bucks or whatever. And it's like, oh, okay. And it's like, here's the thing, as your friend, you know, I got you, girl, but I'm really saving for a car or a house or... I just don't feel as comfortable with that. I just wanted to talk through it to see if something, because you're really, I want you to come from a place of like help, right? Is there something wrong, you know? Or, Mm -hmm. you know, because sometimes we like, we speed ahead only to find out later that something is actually wrong. But Mm. is there something wrong or is there a reason? It's like, I didn't even notice, girl. I'm so sorry. And I can be like, okay, how about this? Because I'm the queen of having like a a secret safe word or something like that. Like, how about this? The next time we're out in company and you do the thing, I'm going to say the safe word like, you know, like, isn't it a beautiful day outside or whatever it is. (laughs) Uh They're they're like, oh, I'm doing that thing, you know? Right, right. Now, here's the thing. If you don't feel safe to have this conversation with your friend, then that should be a red flag to you that like what's happening in this friendship that I can't say this to my friend. And then that's something you have to adjust. That's a bigger issue. Right. Because then you might have some bigger problems Mm because the Starbucks bill is always $28, no matter how many (laughs) get two drinks these days. I also like the fact that you need to have the receipts, I think, too, to back it up because Mm -hmm. people forget that they're racking and stacking these small things. I love what you said about having receipts, but then also just making it feel safe. Because I think sometimes it's about walking that fine line of making somebody feel comfortable, but also, you know, saying, hey, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And it's okay to say that there's a, there's this great saying that says the ax forgets, but the tree remembers. 
Oh, that's a good one. You know, mm-hmm. because it's like the person being chipped away at, you remember every bill, how much, when you were, what you were wearing, yep. how your hair looked. But the ax who's doing the harm is just moving on to the next tree, just chopping away. Yeah. You know, yeah, baby, Starbucks yeah. with my friend Mia. Rachel's got dinner. <laughs> you know, I'm yeah. flashbacks because literally this is my baby sister, Lisa. I'm like, oh, no. to throw you under the bus because we will go out to dinner and Lisa doesn't even pretend to reach for her purse anymore. Because oh. there's, there's you're five of us. But I did have the hard conversation with her she asked after the boot thing i said lisa i'm gonna you know send you money for this boot but honestly like you have to be responsible and yeah it's not helpful for me to keep giving you money because you don't learn the lesson you know so i told her this that this is the last time i'm going to lend you money so you're absolutely sure that you really need it and you don't want to hold off from some ever get out of jail free card right that's one and two i'm not going to lend you money but the rule is you are not to go homeless or go hungry Mm. Meaning, don't put yourself in harm's way because I said, don't ask me for money. Right. So certainly if you're like, oh my goodness, I'm in a really bad way. The situation has become dire. Of course, come to me. But I should not be your first line of defense. And she has not asked me to borrow money since then. Wow. Shout out Lisa. Yeah. <laughs> she's doing it. Yeah. That's amazing. I'm sure she's moved on to another sister. Right. She's like, mm, I've tapped yeah, it too. Yeah, she has a, a lot to go through. Oh, my God. <laughs> I wanted to just quickly circle back because I feel like we have, you know, this conversation about credit card debt. But simultaneously, there's a lot of conversation happening about student loan debt and how mm. much that is affecting millennials. Um, and it's going to affect Gen Z as well. How are these conversations looking different to you? Is there extra shame attached to the credit card debt? And in what ways like, should these convos be the same or different? So I think there is a little extra shame attached to the credit card debt because it feels like this is a debt that I've gotten into. And quite often, many people can't say they have, they'll say I have nothing to show for it. Right. You know, like, what did I buy again? And with student loan debt, it's almost like honorable debt. You tell someone I have $100,000 right. in student loan debt, but I have my law degree. And they're like, oh, right. honorable debt, because I see what you got in exchange for it, you know? Right. And I think that either way, debt is debt. But I will say that credit card debt tends to have a much higher interest rate. So the fee you pay in mm-hmm. order to pay it off, typically it's much higher, oftentimes, double if not triple than student loan debt. So I tell people, if you're gonna put a lot of energy into paying off the debt, then most of it should go toward that credit card debt because it is just cancerous, you know? And then student loan debt, one, if you have federal student loans, you can work with your provider for mm-hmm. forbearance or um, deferment. Mm-hmm. Let's just say you just had a baby. They can take that into consideration or just got married or your household has grown. That can be taken into consideration when looking at your monthly bill. Um, student loan repayment has just been brought back. Boo. But you saw <laughs> you have basically three years of not having to pay. That's the benefit right. of federal student loans. Now, private student loans, if your credit score is good enough, you can refinance to a lower interest rate. Um, So for student loans, that's secondary. Get rid of that credit card debt and manage the student loan debt. Right, Mm -hmm. right. I mean, Rachel, in your job, you work a lot with obviously shopping and commerce, e-commerce. And you see now, and Tiffany, you've seen this too, the Klarna's and the afterpays of the world become a thing, especially among millennials and Gen Z. So Tiffany, for you, how do you see the Klarna's and the afterpays of the world fit into the conversation around the student debt, credit card debt, and now this other kind of debt? 
honestly, it makes me a little sick to my stomach when I go on Amazon to like order a lip gloss and it's like, would you like to make this in four easy payments? Yeah. I'm like, are you kidding me? I know. I know. <laughs> when I see that, it turns my stomach. I will say that the concept itself is actually a good concept. It's basically the layaway concept. Right. You know, I remember because I didn't grow up with a lot of money and my mom, you know, had five girls to get dressed. And specifically, right. I remember for school clothes, we would do layaway sometimes, you know, we mm-hmm. buy all our clothes and then you lay it away and then you pay monthly until it's paid off. There's no interest attached. Mm-hmm. So the the concept in general is not a bad one. Unfortunately, it's offered on things that are nonsensical. Right. Right. You know, like, don't offer me, you know, four easy payments on a lip gloss. Like, that just doesn't make sense because we are training these new consumers to believe that instead of paying things off, it's just better to make payments. And as an adult, the best gift you can give yourself is to lower your monthly expenses so Mm. you can actually live Mm -hmm. with some of the money you make. Right. So some people have a, a lamp bill. They have a, a you know dining room table bill because they're still paying monthly. So now you want me to add a lip gloss bill, <laughs> lip gloss a headphones bill, yeah. bill. Yeah. like you know what I mean? Those things add up. So let's just say you take home five thousand dollars a month, and then all of your bills and debt and expenses are costing you forty five hundred. You know, and it's like right. you're left with next to nothing for food, for clothing, for you know. So for me, I try my best because my dad was a, a CFO and an accountant. And so he would really teach us to save up for the things that you're wanting. You want a, mm. a bed for your new apartment, save and get it. You want a desk for your for your office, save and get it. So that right. way I can look at my monthly expenses and keep them as low as possible so I have the space for the things that really mean the most to me. Yeah. In that instance, is it better than to like say, okay, I'm going to open up like a little small account, a little savings account and just file money into there every month until you get to that point rather than go on the Klarna's Afterpay and do it in the back end. Absolutely. That's best practice. Open a high yield savings account. So a high yield savings account is typically not going to be at your brick and mortar bank. So like the banks you see on the corner, those banks typically are not going to give you a high yield savings account because they're on the corner, because the overhead is so high, you know, that they have to pay employees and rent and whatever it is. And so typically you'll find online only banks will have the highest interest rates. Right now you're looking at interest rates over 4%, which is like incredible right now. Yeah. Um, And what I love is that you can open up multiple savings, which I suggest. It's like the envelope system, but online, I like to label them. You know, like this is for house, this is for travel, this is for whatever. And then I put my money in them and there's nothing more amazing than buying a thing. Like imagine going to Paris and you come back and you're like, oh, I have a Paris bill for the next two years. Right. Mm. Right. But imagine going to Paris and coming back and it's paid for. Right. Right. You know, and you don't have to worry about it and you're saving for the next place, you know. And that's when you could tell your friend, and this is why I can't pay your Starbucks bill, because sis, I'm trying to go to the Mafia Coast and it costs money. I have big dreams. Yeah. (laughs) Also, come with me. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Start your own savings account. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Um, Should we be talking to our friends more about money just in general? I think so. I think we should normalize it. So what I do like about Judge Judy from the confession, (laughs) she she seems like she wants to talk to her friends about money. But, you know, I think the first conversation you have with your friend is not, get your stuff together, sister. Right, right. Let me see your bills. (laughs) Right? So I like to go from a place of positivity. Like my bonus daughter and I, I I told her, no more Jordans, no more clothes, no more. I'm not buying any more of these (laughs) gifts anymore because you have all the things. Right. Right. 
right? right. But I said, because I got this from my friend Boz, that she does this with um, her daughter, where every year her daughter chooses where she wants to go in the world on vacation in lieu Ooh. of these like random gifts. And so I'm fortunate in that like, because of my business, the Budgetista, I have a, a card that I use for the business that gives me a lot of travel reward points. Right, we love you know, those. and so the those. business spends the money, pays it off, but I'm like the points are mine. <laughs> right, yes, I like that. Yes. It's a little treat. <laughs> yes, and so those points are what we're using. So I told her, I said, okay, Liz, where do you want to go this year? You get to pick wherever you want to go. She was like London and Paris. I'm like, that's two places. Yeah, but, okay. <laughs> Wheeling and Good dealing. try. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I told her, you know, because they're so close, you know, it's a train. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, okay, let's do London, Paris. And typically if I go to Europe, I like to do three countries because they're so close. And right. so a friend of mine suggested actually the Amalfi Coast of, of Italy, which I'm like, that's for Big Mama over here. Like, yes, London, yes. Paris is for Alyssa. Yep, and then yep. the Amalfi Coast is for me. So we're going to do yes. that. I just say all that to say those are the types of conversations you can start to bring up with your friends because it's a joyful conversation. Right. Like, hey, I use this specific card, but I pay it off every month in full. It generates points and I'm going to be able to travel in this way. Or, hey, I finally got that bag that I've been saving for for the last six months. Isn't she really cute? So to me, those are the type of financial conversations because then when a friend or yourself, you're having a financial issue, you can then bring it up in a safe space. So it's not just all like vacations and bags and things. It's, you know, I'm really worried because I lost my job two months ago and I thought I was going to have a job by now. I'm not sure what to do. Yeah, that's really difficult, especially in these kinds of economy times where layoffs are more pertinent than ever. And I wonder, too, I feel like it's also become, I think, more normalized among especially like Gen Z and millennials to talk about your salary. Mm -hmm. I think especially as women, women of color, it's more important than ever to talk about your salaries. And in industries that you work with similarly to you, you know, what are you making at this title? Mm -hmm. Just to know, because you should be getting your worth. I believe so, too. I ask my friends sometimes because I have my own business. I will often ask like my especially my business owner friends like, you know, what did revenues look like last year? And in what ways did you make it? What did you find was helpful? I feel like women in business are really candid in that space because I'm not looking to say, oh, I made more than you. I'm really interested so I can know, huh, I never thought about, you know, dusting off my blog. That's really making you an extra $100,000 a year? Or I never thought about opening up a Patreon or whatever it is, you know? So, so having those conversations, one, it helps to normalize money, right? Yeah. Two, mm-hmm. it gives me inspiration because I have friends who make way more than me. And I'm curious at like, oh, really? That venture did that? Right. Oh, maybe I'll right. look into yeah. it. But also, two, it allows for when you're struggling, you know, you know the friend to go to. Because, you know, she shared her journey and she fixed it three years ago. So you can say, we're not doing well in business this year. I'm not really sure what to do. And I know you had this issue three years ago. What solutions can you offer up? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And you were um, instrumental in helping pass the Budgetista Law, A1414, making financial education mandatory for middle school students in New Jersey. So in your opinion, why aren't we provided with more financial literacy in the United States in the first place? I think there's some old school thinking that children should not worry about money, Mm, you know, mm -hmm. and that it's inappropriate for children to learn about money. And I say it's inappropriate for them not to. Yeah. Yeah. Because the assumption is you're going to say, hey, three year old, 
the light bill's really high. What are we going to do? Right, right. <laughs> yep. like, we're not Put it on the three-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's yeah. not what's happening. So I used right. to teach preschool for 10 years and I taught age-appropriate financial education. And it literally was like, sometimes the kids, you know, they're outside picking up things and they would find a penny. And so we started a penny jar. You know, they would add pennies to the penny jar and we started to use it to talk about, there are some people, some kids that don't have as much money as you or don't have the toys that you have. So how about this? We keep adding to the penny jar and every month we would we would count it and talk about how many dollars was in it. And then we just decided at the end of the year, we were going to use it to buy something for another classroom that didn't have as many books or whatever that we had. Oh, That's so nice. age appropriate financial education. Yes. It is earning, it's saving, it's giving, it's donating. Right. It's financial responsibility. And so that's why myself and uh, Assemblywoman Angela V. McKnight fought so hard for that law to be passed. Because if you can start to normalize financial education when a child is young, then it makes it easier for them as an adult to navigate their money. Definitely. So important. Absolutely. So CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So I would really love to know from you, since you're such an expert on this, um, how do you work your way out of debt? Like, what are your tips? So first things first, you have to have some sort of income, obviously, right? <laughs> right. But oh. some people don't, you know, they're not making enough. Because let's start from people who are having a really hard time and they're what I call broke, broke. And I've been broke, broke, where mm -hmm. it's I don't even have enough money for my monthly bills, let alone mm -hmm. debt. Mm -hmm, right. Mm -hmm. So if you're broke, yeah. broke, I give you permission to say I don't have it to certain things. If there's a credit card debt or some other debt that you don't have because you're you're just trying to pay rent, you're just trying to make sure there's enough food on the table. You have the permission to call the people that you owe to say that, to say, I am currently going through a really hard financial time. Um, I do want to pay. I just don't have it to pay. Is there a program you have available? Yeah. Many of them had the programs before pandemic, but especially after, because yeah. so many people were in that spot, you'd be surprised how they can freeze your, your rate, how they can, you know, freeze payments temporarily. And honestly, there was just some times where I just didn't pay it because maybe they're like, well, we don't care. You know, yeah. we want it either way. And I'm like, well, when I get it, you get it. Well, I'll pick up the phone when I have it. I send a cease and desist letter. So that way, like they can't call me incessantly mm -hmm. and I, you can email me or you can send me a letter like via mail. Um, so that's for people who are like really broke, broke. You have the permission, if you don't have it, to not pay after you've made that phone call and asked for yeah. help. Right. I think a lot of people don't even know that you can even do that. Do that. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I think people have so much shame with it that yeah. they don't even want to call, especially the people that they owe. Right, yeah. right, right, right. So that's a really, really great point. Yeah. It was just really helpful because I just remember hiding from my phone. 
Right. And I just remember thinking like, wait, actually, there are these laws that protect you from debt collectors. They're called the Fair Debt Collections Practices Act. Mm. They are not allowed to call you before a certain time. They're not allowed to call you after a certain time. And they're not allowed to call you if you ask them not to call you. Wow. You certainly have to give them the ability to um, communicate with you. So you can say, you can email me here or right. you can, you know, send me a letter, you know. Right. Um, but you're allowed to say you're not allowed to call me. The best way to ensure they received it is, you know, to fax them that letter because you get the return receipt and they know you got right. the return receipt. I'm not saying you shouldn't pay your bills. You should, but not at the detriment to your health and safety. Right. Yes. Yeah. You know? Yep. And so then if you're past the health and safety and you're like, I have enough to cover my monthly bills, I have enough to maintain my health and safety, then one of my favorite methods is the snowball method to start with. Mm. And that is when you pay your debts from lowest to highest. And so mm. you have to think about like a cartoon when the snowball starts at the top of the hill. Right. And yeah. as it keeps rolling down the hill, it gets bigger and bigger. Right. So yeah. you align your debt from lowest to highest, you put on a list. And you say, instead of paying, typically what we do is we'll pay the minimum plus a little something to all the debt on our list. That's what most mm -hmm. people do. But mm -hmm. instead, you're not going to do that. You're going to just pay the minimum to every other debt on your list except for that lowest debt. So it's so right. like all that little extra sprinkling you were doing, mm -mm. everybody gets the minimum. The lowest debt gets its minimum plus a little extra money from your budget. So let's just say there's an extra $200 from your budget that you found. So first debt gets its minimum plus $200. And the reason why you pay lowest to highest to start is because you get an earlier win. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. because yeah. if you owe, say, $1,000 on a credit card versus 30000 on another credit card, you know, in a matter of less than a year, you'll have gotten rid of the $1,000 credit card debt and you'll feel good about it. Like, okay, right. yeah. I did it, yeah. you know? And so the key is once you pay off that smallest debt, just like the snowball, you're going to roll over that full payment to the second lowest debt. So the second yeah. lowest debt is going to get like three payments in one. It's going to get its minimum, the first debt's minimum, plus that $200. Mm, and you keep, you keep rolling it over. And what's great about it is it doesn't take any additional money from your budget because you're really just rolling over payments you were already making right, to debt right, that's right. more and yeah, more expensive. Yeah. Yes. Now, as you get to debt that's bigger and bigger, so once you start to get to your ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollar debt plus, then you might want to consider switching to the avalanche method, and that's when you start paying off debt with the highest interest rates first. Smart, because yeah. those higher debts are costing you a lot of money because their interest rates are higher. So right. you pay off all those smaller debts, then you get to these bigger debts, and you're like, all right, time to switch to avalanche. Which one of you has the highest interest rate? Now I have right. a chunk of money. I've got maybe three or four debts that I paid off. So I've got all their minimums plus that $200 to throw at these bigger debts that are costing me more money. And if you do that and you automate, 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 yeah. automation is key. You automate that process and you go about your business because debt freedom is a goal, not the goal. Like I right. have a nephew yes. that he's debt free. He doesn't have a car note, student loan debt, mortgage, nothing. But Roman is seven. And he's broke, right? <laughs> yeah, and so right, people yeah. are like, oh my gosh, you have a nephew that doesn't, it's exactly, because that's how silly it sounds. That, right. you know, you're chasing to be debt freedom, but your broke toddler is also debt free. Exactly. What does that mean? Yeah, you know? Exactly, <laughs> right. And so it's a goal 
The goal is should be what I call financial wholeness. That's mm. when you've managed your budget and savings and debt and earning and investing and estate planning. So the goal is a holistically healthy financial life that includes debt freedom. But I don't want you to stop at debt freedom or you'll be just like Roman asking me to buy ice cream for him. <laughs> right. The nerve. <laughs> and with sprinkles too. Yes. And so I feel like we've also been talking about a recession for almost a year now, if not yes. longer. So amid all these talks about a recession that's to come, um, how do we financially prepare? So the thing about a recession is, which is so funny, a recession is like um, Valentine's Day. You're rushing now and you're at your local Target looking for a card. You know it's every year, right? It comes right? <laughs> Exactly, yeah. Right? So right. recessions are similar in that they're cyclical. So about every 10 to 15 years or so, you can expect a recession. Mm. It is part of the economic cycle that we live in. So one of the best ways to prepare for a recession is these five fundamentals. Do you have your budget together? Do you mm. have a savings? How's your credit looking in case you have to borrow money? You know, are you managing debt responsibly and are you earning any money? Mm -hmm. Those five core yeah. things. And what happens is with your first recession, I want you to imagine it like pushing this boat these five core things, this boat that you push into the to the water. And you're yeah. like, okay, I think budget, savings, debt, credit, earning. Let's see how this boat goes. And the first recession, you know, like my first recession I lived through was um, the 2008, 9, 10 recession, the Great Recession, yeah. where so many people lost homes. I didn't even have a boat. I was like, boats? We're supposed to build a boat? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? But some people had a boat that they built, meaning the preparation. They pushed it into the water, and they noticed it's leaning to the side. It leaks mm -hmm. in the front. It's uncomfortable. And right. so when recession passes, because they do, you pull the boat out of the water and you repair it for the next one. Mm, you see what mm -hmm. I mean? Smart. And yeah. so the first recession, I didn't have a boat. This recession, right. I had a boat, a life jacket, and or I had a company. Snacks. Right? I had <laughs> snacks. Exactly. <laughs> so I was ready because that first recession, I'd, I'd bought a condo when I was 25. And uh -huh. I lost it to foreclosure and I lost wow. my job and I had oh. student loans. So that's the key for recessions is that understanding that they're cyclical and that every time you experience some financial hardship, it's you testing out the financial boat you've built, then you can fix it. Some people literally, the next recession that comes, they're with the same boat. I'm like, that's the same <laughs> boat that leaked last time. It's right. like, I know I forgot to plug that hole. Got to get your boat together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, I just have one more question yeah. on the heels of that. Like, what do you do if you're the person who doesn't have the boat? And, you know, if we're saying, oh, my gosh, this recession is here or, you know, coming yeah. in, in a matter of months or even in a year, whatever it is, what do you do to prepare for it now if you are one of these people who just doesn't have a boat? So now is the time to say, okay, a recession is potentially looming. What am I going to need? What supplies do I need? So you know you're going to need the basics, right? So the basics of personal finance is, do I actually have a budget? <laughs> Maybe I should start now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So a budget is a physical picture of money in, money out yeah. within a yeah. month's time period. Let me see what my money in, money out looks like. That's you literally picking out the tree that you're going to cut down to build this boat. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like, okay, the budget is the core. Ugh. And so once you realize, okay, there's actually some money left over great so second part now you're starting to cut down the tree and like scoop out the insides right that's your savings right. so let yeah. me start saving because one now i know how much my life cost me because i created a budget money in money out two i'm gonna start saving i have to ask myself if i have no savings should i lower my expenses to what i call temporarily my noodle budget 
So mm-hmm. that's if, if you had to eat ramen noodles budget, meaning like no nails done, hair done, everything did. So <laughs> I temporarily for the next few months lower my expenses so I have excess money to double yeah. down, triple down on savings. And so one of the things I realized during the, the Great Recession when I didn't have a boat is I didn't have any savings. And so now I have over that time period, I have saved one year's worth of savings that if we hit a recession, I can maintain my lifestyle for one year without worry. Got it. That was Got important it. to me. So yeah. do you have your savings? Then third, start to work on your credit now, like mm-hmm. paying off bills in full, your credit cards and things in full every month if you can't, or at least being on time by automating right. those expenses. Because worst case scenario, if you don't have a boat, you're going to have to borrow one on credit. Right. right, right. You know, and do <laughs> yes. you want to have the credit available to do so? And so yeah. that's what it's for. You know, like I know people are like, oh, anti-credit card. I'm like, no, it can be used as a tool to help you as well. Five, can you manage that debt? Like, right. Because if your debt is costing you so much money every month and a recession hits, it's only going to be this financial burden. What can I do to start paying down that debt? Like right. maybe I don't put all my money toward savings. Maybe I also put half it toward paying down debt. And last thing, if you need to build your boat now, is let me see my sources of income. Mm-hmm. Am I likely to be let go? Is this the, one of those jobs right. that gets let right. go? And so those are the five things you can do now to start building your boat, you know. So even if you're not fully ready, at least you have something to push into the water. Yeah, that's so smart. Mm-hmm. So Tiffany, final thoughts for our confession, Judge Judy. Do you have any additional thoughts on how she should move forward with her friend who's having trouble with finances? Well, Judgey Judy, I would say <laughs> one, try to create a safe space for your friend. Yep. And ultimately, I'll tell you this, I've just seen after many years, Judgy, that people <laughs> are not going to change their ways until they're fully ready. Right. And so yep. you can certainly create an environment that says, hey, if you ever want to sit down and go over your budget, I'm here. Not yeah. we're doing it on Saturday. Right. Because yeah. I promise yeah. you, even if you do it, they're not going to stick with it. The choice has to come from your friend. Right. But yep. if they know you are a safe space that when I am ready, my friend is here to help me with my credit score, help me with my budget. Yep. And so that's what I would say is that, you know, I'm glad for your concern. You can certainly bring it up from a place of kindness and love and not judgment yep. and leave the door open and then lead by example, because ultimately we want to be like other people. You know, as you go on vacations and you do fly things and you have more than enough money to get your Starbucks, you know, you can use that at teachable moments. Like, honestly, girl, I save, you know, such and such money a month for my Starbucks addiction every week. And it's like, huh, that's how she does it. Right. And so that's what I would say is that, like, you know, continue to be awesome, a little less judgment and create a safe space for your friends so they can learn from you. Thank you. Sending love to uh, Judge Judy out there. Yes. And her friend. (laughs) And her friend. And her friend. So we have a fun segment for both you, Tiffany, and Rachel to play. It's called Guess the Celebrity's Net Worth Game. Oh, boy. (laughs) I don't even know how they come up with those. Same. So horrible. Same. I'm just going to list a few different celebrity names, and I'd love for you to just throw a number out there, what you think their net worth might be, according to CelebrityNetWorth.com. Okay. (laughs) Okay, so the first one is Billie Eilish. Reminder, she's 21 years old. Um, I'll say... $30 $30 million. Oh, my gosh. Okay. I'll just say 40 $40 million? Yeah. I have <laughs> I have no understanding of how this happens. <laughs> Same. Well, <laughs> Tiffany, you are actually right on the money. It was estimated $30 million oh wow. for the past wow, year. So you're off to a strong start. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Strong start. The next one is uh, Jennifer Garner, actress. Ooh. She's been around for a while, yep. right? Mm-hmm. 
I, okay, I'm gonna just shoot from the heart. Do it. I'm gonna say like fifty million. Okay. I'm actually gonna go a little lower just because okay. she's been around, but I don't know if she has any products or service. That's what I'm thinking about. Like, does she have products? Right. Or she has things. So I'm gonna go for twenty million. Okay, so according to CelebrityNetWorth.com, she was estimated eighty million dollars. Oh, wow. oh my god! Okay. Yes. Hey. And a little fun fact: so Alias, the show that she was really popular on, um, it became so popular that at one point she was making one hundred and fifty thousand dollars per episode by the time wow. it ended. Wow. Okay. So well, go she ahead. She got her back through Alias. <laughs> oh my gosh, she deserves that bag. She does. Uh, that show was great. I'm gonna like go re-binge it. Go rewatch it. Yeah. <laughs> So the next one is Abel Tesfaye, who goes by oh, The Weeknd. He is worth a ton, because not only is he a musician, I know that he's like a producer, a songwriter, mm-hmm. all the things. Yep. I'm going to say The Weeknd is worth $300 million. Oh, my gosh. Wow. <laughs> I'm like just imagining what $300 million looks like. Right, right, right. Um, I don't know. I'm going to say $200 million. $200 million? Three hundred million in my mind is like when you have one of those chambers that you go in and the money just like flies around, <laughs> yes, like Scrooge McDuck, like Ducktales. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Tiffany, again, you're once again on the money. Oh my uh, estimated three hundred million dollars. <laughs> and something that I learned in researching this: uh, Did you know that he actually didn't get paid for the the Super Bowl halftime show in 2021 because none of the celebrities ever get paid for that? Yeah, I heard that they don't get paid. Yep. I didn't know that. That's, so that's crazy. News to me. Uh, okay, the next one is uh, Pete Davidson. Ooh. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like he's on the lower end, maybe $25 million. I don't know. I feel like he's done a lot of things recently that might be... Okay, I'm going to go for 30 So I was surprised by this. Estimated $8 million net worth as of 2022. Eight? Okay, yeah. I figure he's a little lower, yeah. Yes. Okay. But his net worth in 2018 was $2 million, So he's quadrupled his net worth since then. So okay, good okay. job, Pete Davidson. Yeah. Okay, yeah. okay the final one is um, Khloe Kardashian. Oh. Oof. Ooh. She's got good American. Yes. Right, right, right. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I know she's not quite um, Kendall or Kim, mm-hmm. who are both billionaires, but I venture to say $400 million? I feel like that might be kind of high, but I'm just going to say it. <laughs> I feel like you're probably on to something there. I feel like I'll just say 450 Okay. Um, so she is estimated $60 million only, oh, which I was surprised by. Um, only $60, 60? Million. Yes. Wow, yes. I'm really surprised. I know. So Kendall, okay, this again, according to CelebrityNetworth.com, if the Kardashians accountant wants to call us, we'd be happy to talk to them. But um, Please. So, <laughs> yeah, so Kendall was also estimated around $60 million. Um, Courtney's around $65 million, And obviously Chris and Kim are much higher because they yeah. run the business. Yeah. But, um, yeah. yeah, so there you go. So surprising. And I can't even picture any of these sums. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, we have to remember that net worth is literally what you own minus yep. what you owe. Right. You know? Right. So if you own, say, a $10 million boat, but you owe $20 million on it, your net worth is like negative $10 million. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Tiffany, thank you so much once again for joining us and giving us all this really great advice. Yeah, thank you. No, no problem. Can I share where people can get some more information if they want? Please. So I have a New York Times bestselling book, Get Good With Money. So many people that come up to me in the street and say, like, Tiffany, thank you so much. That book has been, like, my guide. So you can get it at getgoodwithmoney.com. And if you need any free resources, I have so many free resources at thebudgetnista.com. Thank you, Tiffany, so much. You're welcome. Fake smile, 
Cosmo Confessions is made in collaboration with Edit Audio. I'm your host, Mia Lardier. This episode was produced by Mia Lardier, Ali Sirwa, and Maria Passingham. It was edited, mixed, and mastered by Maria Passingham. Thank you to our production manager, Kathleen Speckert, and our executive producer, Steph Colburn. As always, thank you to the whole Cosmo and Edit Audio teams for their time and input. And an extra special shout out to our guests and to you for listening. Now tell us your secrets. Link is in the show notes. Good secrets are no fun unless you tell me one.